Mysterious Circumstances is an American Crimecast production. Remember, everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Okay, everybody, welcome back to one of the last three final episodes of Mysterious Circumstances before the total merger to American Crime Cast. And I'm going to skip reviews today, and we're just going to jump straight into the case. And I say we because I am being joined by Rachel, who co-hosted for me uh, before, and she did a phenomenal job. And she wanted to to do another one before the show ends and I'm totally about it because she picked a really really good case and from what I could find I think only one other podcast has covered it before so I was definitely pleased about that and so I guess we're going to talk about the uh, disappearance of Kyron Horman today. Kyron was born September 9th 2002. He disappeared on June 4th 2010 at the age of seven from Skyline Elementary School in Portland, Oregon. Uh, he was three foot eight inches tall at the time, weighed about fifty pounds. His father was Kane Horman. His stepmother was Terry Horman. He his uh, biological mother was named Desiree uh, Young, I believe. Um, I think Rachel's gonna fill us in on a little bit of uh, back information, I suppose, on on the. Uh, on the parent situation here because she brought up a really really good point on why the biological stepmother stepmother did not have custody of Kyron and his father actually did so uh yeah so that was kind of one of the biggest mysteries about this mystery um that I was trying to find because Kane seems like he's a great father but generally mothers have custody um so what what happened is Desiree and Kane, uh, Kyron's father, got divorced before Kyron was even born. I think Desiree was like eight months pregnant when they divorced. So she had Kyron. I'm not sure how, how long after that she became very ill. It was hard to figure out how she became ill. Uh, apparently it was some sort of non-FDA approved medication. Uh-huh. And... There's a couple different versions of what happened after that. One version says that she went to Canada for treatment for kidney failure. But as I was doing some kind of catch-up research today, someone speculated that she may have been in rehab for drug or alcohol addiction. Kudos to her for getting help for yeah. herself. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, it seems like whether she was physically ill or she had an addiction, she decided that Kyron was being cared for well by his father, so she gave custody to him. Well, I, I tell you what, just, uh, you know, that fact alone and having the, the self-knowledge to do something like that's actually pretty admirable, because, you, yeah. you know, there's a lot of cases where that does not happen, so. Yeah, and it sounds like she, I guess she had been married before. Everyone in this case has been married, like, 14 times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she had been married before she had an older son, and she did the same thing with him. She gave up custody of him so she could get uh, whatever treatment she needed. Okay. All right. Well, that's pretty interesting, and I actually did not know that, and that is that is phenomenal research, Rachel. So, <laughs> so in the events surrounding the day, Kyron had a science fair that day, and Terry 
drops him off in the morning, actually goes in with him and, and is there during the science fair. She technically, Terry Horman, his stepmother, is the last person to technically see him alive. Um, she said that she left at around 8.45 after uh, she saw him walking down the hall to his first period class. Uh, the teacher from his first period math class actually said that he did not show up, um, that he was marked as absent, and he actually did not obviously show up for the rest of the classes during the day. Terry says afterwards she ran a, a bunch of errands till about 10.10 in the morning or so, and she says that from... 10 10 a.m. till about you know when she about got done with the errands and stuff till about 11 39 uh, a.m. she was driving around with her and Kane's uh, 18 month old daughter because their daughter had an earache and she was driving her around to try to soothe her a little bit um, to you know make her go to sleep or whatever which oddly enough it does work I can honestly say I've never tried it with a kid with an earache because uh Anytime my kids had earaches, I I wanted to shove ice picks through my ears because they would literally be screaming in pain the whole time. So, I mean, if that worked, you know, good for her. But that is actually disputed because there's no witnesses saying that they saw her. She supposedly drove around a bunch of rural roads uh, to try to soothe the, the child. From 11.39 a.m. to about 12.40 p.m., she was at the gym working out, uh, after which she headed home, uh, and she arrived there roughly 1.21 p.m., and they are pretty sure of this because of, uh, uh, I believe it was her phone, and she, was, she posted pictures on Facebook of Kyron at the science fair. Let's see, uh, Kane and their year-and-a-half-old daughter and uh, Terry all walked to the bus stop at about 3.30 p.m. Uh, to pick up Kyron, which the bus driver informed him that he was not at school today. And from then on, um, I'll be honest, like, the way the, the local authorities, for the most part, during, like, the search and, and the missing child factor, I, they did a freaking phenomenal job. I'm, yeah, I was thinking that, too. Oh, man, I tell you what, like... I've read a couple threads where people from Oregon are like, you know, I don't even like talking about this case because it scares me, but I'll, I, I I was honestly impressed. I mean, within five hours, they had pictures on the news. They sent alerts to every parent's cell phone talk, asking about saying that Kyron Horman, Horman was missing, that he was not at school and all that stuff, and it was uh, local, state police, local and state police, and then uh, eventually the FBI did get involved, but... I, yes. I I usually have no so no I was just gonna say I have like no biased opinion on cops like I will call some bullshit but like the way the authorities handled this was was very very impressive. Yeah, so often with especially with missing child cases, you know, you hear of police putting the parents off and kind of doing a half-assed job, but not this time. They really worked hard to find this boy, and that makes it even sadder. Yeah, that I I couldn't agree more. Like the the amount of effort that went in to this, it was just and literally, I mean, there's no trace. 
any anywhere and I mean the last photo of the kid taken which which will be the the picture that I use for for this episode is just I don't know it breaks my heart just because you know he's standing there by a science fair project and he's just you know cute little kid seven years old you know it's just it's really really heartbreaking but um did you have anything that you might want to add to the timeline or anything that you found out I didn't mention um there is some dispute about whether some of his classmates saw him or not um and I think we can kind of give the credit of seeing him to Terry because when they tried to interview his classmates, the kids just got kind of confused about timelines and when they saw him and where they saw him. And the school that day, it sounds like it was just a mess because the entire school was taking part in this science fair. So kids were everywhere, parents were everywhere. So it's hard to say whether people at the school actually saw him after Terry uh, said goodbye to him before his first period class. Yeah, yeah, it uh, it did, and that's that's what came to mind for me, too. It was just, it seemed like a, like a madhouse, you know, just people everywhere in the science fair, and, you know, as I can tell you from experience, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take a seven-year-old's word, you know, unless... Yeah you know it's it's hard to i know that that actually comes up quite a bit in a lot of court cases nowadays when when younger children are identifying people and you know it's become a become a problem at at some point some points in in certain cases but yeah i you know it's hard to base any kind of i hate to say like factual timeline on the you know the dependency of a you know a a seven-year-old's timeline or whatever so basically it's it it, the search goes on for quite a while like i said he disappeared on june 4th and uh by late june uh a whole shitstorm comes up with old terry horman here when during a grand jury hearing uh rodolfo sanchez the 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 uh the landscaper comes out and says that Kane's wife, which was Terry, uh, actually approached him and asked him to murder Kane. Um, there were several sexting text messages from uh, from Terry to Rodolfo. Uh, it got pretty interesting. Obviously, I didn't didn't really care to read any of them, but from what I understand, most most websites won't post a lot of them because it's it's pretty lewd. Uh, at that point in time, uh, Kane obviously, you know, by June 28th, Kane files for divorce and a restraining order. And this is when a character named Michael Cook comes into play. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Michael Cook apparently was a high school friend of, of Kane. And he had recently, like almost literally right around the time Kane disappeared, uh, had moved back into town. Now, it's a little bit odd because Kane actually reached out and tried to reconnect with him because apparently they were pretty good friends, uh, played football together. But apparently uh, Michael Cook did not want really anything to do with him. So instead 
Um, on right about July 3rd, about four to five days after Cain and his daughter uh, move out of the house, Michael Cook starts a relationship with uh, Terry. Now, there's a lot of disputed accounts of how far the relationship went. Uh, at some points, Michael Cook says they did not have, uh, you know, actual sexual intercourse or anything like that. But there are several pictures and a lot of text messages between them. And a lot of the text messages resemble that of the uh, landscaper. So, you know, that... That was pretty interesting right there. The 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 fact that he moved into town literally within uh days of Kyron's disappearance and the whole the whole uh Terry factor in the mix. Um I don't know, do you do you have anything really to to add to that that might be beneficial? When Michael Cook came into the picture, Terry and Kane had been married for only about three years. Yeah. Um and I just, I find it very interesting how, as I said, all the adults in this story have been married a lot. Yeah. And I'm not sure how long Desiree and Kane were married, but uh, I think before Kane, Terry was married three more times. And I just wonder how long everyone stays married, because it, you know, three years is about the end of the honeymoon period. Yeah. And, you know, she's already sexting other men. <sighs> and it just, I don't know, it seems to spell trouble that a lot of them don't seem willing to kind of work out yeah. any problems. Yeah, and Michael, uh, Mike, Michael actually was seen around the house quite a bit. Like, he was staying there, hanging out, staying the night, whatever else. Um, he says, he claims in, in one interview that, you know, he just cares about them finding their son and, and Terry is a better friend now and, and all that stuff. And the thing about it is, is I'm pretty sure Michael didn't even know Terry supposedly, um, before any of this happened, which I really find hard to believe. I'm not sure if Terry was around uh, from around the area or not, whether she went to high school with Kane and uh, Michael or not. I just found that really weird. And of course, uh, uh, Rodolfo Sanchez, the, the gardener, I did forget to mention this, uh, authorities actually put a wire on him to try to incriminate uh, Terry to try to get to admit to, to anything. And they ended up not having enough evidence to even pursue her. She is... She's actually the lead suspect in the case, and she's she's a pretty interesting character at best. I think we could put that. Yeah, Terry, uh, she's, she's very smart about the whole thing, whether she's guilty or innocent. Um, did you read the texts between her and Michael Cook? I found a PDF. No, I didn't, but okay, please tell me. Okay, so they're, they're quite lewd. Uh... And they're they're really cringy, actually. But besides all the sexting, um, there's a part of the text conversation where Michael says, "Do you want to call me?" And Terry's actually in a state 
where she's very sad. She's not uh, sexting him at this point. And he says, do you want to call me? And she says, I can't. My phone is bugged. Oh. And he's like, wait, what do you mean? And she's like, they, I guess the term they use is flashed. She's like, they flashed my phone. They flashed Dee Dee's phone. So then she goes and gets a burner phone. And so does Michael. Yep. So that they can talk because she's very aware that she cannot talk on her phone. Yes, yes, and and Dee Dee comes into the picture too. I believe her last name was uh, well Spiker, I think. Yeah. But she uh, she comes into the picture. She when Terry was apparently a competition bodybuilder, she was friends with her. Yeah, I saw. I didn't. I didn't really see it. You know, I I seen pictures of Terry. I'm like, I don't. I don't know about that, but. Uh, she was supposedly a competition bodybuilder at one point in time, and her and Dee Dee became friends then. And oddly enough, I believe it was between about 11 a.m. or noon, I want to say, um, till about 1 p.m., uh, Dee Dee's whereabouts are unaccounted for. Mm-hmm. And, and that actually goes along with uh, Terry, too, because... Her quote-unquote hour and a half rural drive uh, with their, with her infant daughter, you know, her whereabouts are pretty much unaccounted for, and that actually goes along with Dee Dee as well. Yeah, I thought it was interesting um, how down to the minute um, Terry had for the time she did have accounted for. Yeah. Um, now later. I read that she kind of checked into the gym, and if it's anything like the gym I go to, you have a card and they scan it. So maybe she got her time from that, but otherwise, you know, saying that you left the gym at 11.39 yeah. is really specific. Like, I went to a cafe today, but I can't tell you what time exactly I went and left. Exactly, and I, I actually found that very odd, too, because I was... I mean the same thing the gym I go to it's uh you got to you got to scan like a little chip thing to even get in the front door and yeah. it's like you know it's very specific on times or whatever and she was very down to the minute on everything and that I don't know personally I think that's a little sketchy but that's just me you know and well, especially if for someone who's bringing a toddler with them everywhere yeah like, yeah I want she's not on her own and checking her phone every three seconds. She's got a little girl with her. Exactly. You know, needs attention. Yep, and that the thing too is, uh, by the time Kane got home, which I'm not exactly sure what time he might have arrived home that afternoon, but I kind of want to know what she was doing between 12:40 and the time he got home, because I mean, all they you know they have the timestamp of 1:21 p.m. is when she actually posted the pictures. But I'm, you know, I'm, I, she, you know, I can understand if they might have like GPSed her phone and said, oh, she was sitting on the couch. But, you know, that that whole factor right there, I'm a little bit, a uh, little bit, sh- you know, in the in the gray area on too, because it's like, you know, how do we know she was sitting at home? I didn't actually see yeah. like anything that said, you know, the cops said, or, you know, like. The GPS on the phone said that she was at home, so... I'm, I'm, yeah, and I I honestly wouldn't be as suspicious about the time she can't account for if she was if she weren't so specific about everything else. Yeah. Because, um, you know, if, if she's just at home, you know, maybe she's feeding her daughter or she's doing laundry, but the fact that she has no idea 
when a couple hours before she's to the minute knows exactly where she is. That's a little weird. Yeah, it is. And where were the whereabouts of of their daughter when she was at the gym? Did you see? Oh, they, they had um like a a, a child a care, care thing? center in the gym. Okay, okay, that makes sense then. All right, well that's understandable then I suppose. You know, the the time unaccounted for is probably I don't know, one of the things that bothers me the most because you can do a lot of things in an hour and a half but at the same time you know, when she was running her errands I mean, was she seen? Do you know if she was seen on any kind of security footage, like Um, running those errands? I believe she was seen and she also got receipts from some of the places that she went Um, she was seen at some of the stores but not all of them. Okay. Um, now again, with suspicious versus paying attention to your own schedule, a lot of people suspect that she got all these receipts and made sure she was seen on video cameras because she's guilty. Yeah. Yeah, that's... And one thing that bothered me, too, is, you know, I can I can half-ass understand, like, driving driving a younger child around... Uh, you know, out in the country to to soothe, you know, make him fall asleep. That's totally understandable. But what bothers me is when she gets home and both parents are home, why are you going to take a child with an ear infection and walk to the bus stop with them? Why wouldn't one of the parents stay at home, you know, yeah. with, the, with the kid? I, th- I thought that was really weird. Especially if the baby's been out all day. Yeah, you know, yeah. She's probably grumpy and tired. Like, being in a car personally. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, having the kid in the car, me personally, I would I would take the take the kid home, dose, dose him up with some Tylenol, you know, and try to get him to sleep that way because, yeah, it might make the kid go to sleep, but they're still going to be in some pretty thriving pain, you know, driving yeah. around out there in the country or whatnot. But, yeah, the, the unaccounted time really bothers me. And the fact that when they did get their their untraceable phones, their burner phones... Uh, they actually, I believe, bought them under different names, I want to say. Yeah, I read something that said that Carrie's was registered under her names, and Dee Dee's may have been also, but there were a couple more that were registered under fake names. So they could have belonged to other people, or they could have belonged to those women. Yeah, and then another thing that really bothered me about it was if she knew her phone was bugged or whatever... Why is she having this sexting relationship when she knows it's being monitored? Yeah, that's you know? true. And there's actually a really, really good theory on that. Um, and I, I don't know. Before we start getting into like some of the little theories or whatever, is there, there any kind of information that you'd like to add to what we got right now? Um. One interesting thing I found about the the landscaper that she apparently approached about uh, killing her husband, um, I read reports that they met in public, and he hardly spoke English and she hardly spoke Spanish. Huh. So, you know, it's it's interesting to think about how signals may have gotten crossed. That is true. Um, you know. Maybe she was just using the wrong words 
and uh, the landscaper misunderstood and for some reason thought she wanted a hit. But uh, <laughs> that that could you? That's the thing that bothers me about it too is that I do I do remember hearing that he didn't speak uh, English that well. And I mean, the two things bothered me about the landscapers: one, why didn't he come forward sooner? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why he waited almost a month to actually say something. Uh, the only reason I could think personally would be maybe fear of deportation. Maybe he was unregistered or something, which, I mean, it's happened in, in a couple cases that I've actually actually uh, dove into a little bit. It's very uncommon, but they, uh, the fact that what in the hell kind of text message conversation is that going to be? You know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's like, I I highly doubt that when they say, you know, the conversation was, you know, pretty much like the sexting conversation that her and uh, Rodolfo had, I'm like, I, I don't see that. You know, you got two people who barely speak each other's language, and uh, I'm not sure that that conversation is going to go anywhere. Yeah, especially because... You know, it's it's 2010, and Terry is still very into her old-fashioned texting speak. <laughs> you know, she won't spell out words. She uses the letter U, and, <laughs> you know, to use that across oh. language barriers, I don't think it would go very well. No, probably not, because I, I tell you what, when people text me shit like that, it doesn't go very well with me. I'm yeah. like, don't be lazy and put the other two letters in. You know, like, do, we do don't me have a to favor. click the same button seven times anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can talk into your phone for fuck's sake and it types oh, yeah, it out for true. you. You know, it's like, come on. But yeah, I did find that find that a little intriguing. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually had uh, totally forgotten about that. But I guess that's pretty much, you know, Terry's actually been in trouble since then. Oh, yeah. Um, she's a little troublemaker. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was, what, last year? She was, she's living in California. Well, first she was trying to get her name changed. I think that was, mm-hmm. like, uh, like maybe two years ago or last year. And she was trying to get her name changed because, you know, her name is pretty much getting drugged through the mud. And she's actually still the main suspect in an ongoing investigation mm-hmm. and she wanted her name changed and they they the judge denied it because she is the central figure in an ongoing investigation which i am glad that judge had some common sense right there that that was very very awesome because it's one of those things where i believe one of those three people know something you know i think one of the three people know what happened you know mm-hmm. whether it be from word of mouth or the you know direct involvement but but yeah, yeah it, oh, with the name change I was reading a couple of ideas from people that Carrie likes to reinvent herself um, mm-hmm. not just with the name change but you mentioned that she was a bodybuilder yeah. you know that <clears throat> she just suddenly wanted to become a bodybuilder You know, she had started losing weight, and then suddenly she's like a gym rat. And I think it was like eight months later, she was a semi-professional bodybuilder. Damn. Like, when this woman wants to change something about herself, she does it. Huh. I mean, that's that's kind of impressive. And I guess, I mean, determination isn't, isn't 
you know, something you want to shy away to. I mean, that's kind of nice quality to have, but, you know, being a a liar and a possible kidnapper and murderer, you know, is probably not that cool, but... Well, and that's that's why people brought up the reinvention, because they had interviewed some of Terry's ex-in-laws, and they said she will become who you want her to be. Huh. So, you know, on one side of the coin, you have that determination of people-pleasing, but on the other side, she might do a lot of lying to become that person. Huh. Yeah, I know some people like that. It's not, <laughs> not a good quality. But, um... But yeah, it's that actually ties into one of the one of the smaller smaller theories that I got actually. So that's that's pretty useful information right there. Um, oh, but we were also talking about the trouble she got in recently. Oh right? yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, she uh she was living with a friend of hers in California, and uh, apparently she stole her friend's gun, and I believe mm-hmm. she stole her car too, didn't she? Yeah, I. I have the article pulled up right now. Uh, yeah, she was arrested driving a stolen vehicle. It, yeah, it just says she was. She took it without consent, so it probably was her friend's car. Hmm. Yeah, that uh, that probably doesn't help your your innocent plea too much. You yeah, know. and then in the same month, <laughs> she was accused of domestic violence by her her partner. Yeah, yeah, and she was. Was the partner a man or a woman? Man. Okay. 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 Because that the only reason I ask is because one of the one of the smaller theories, I guess. Well, before we jump into theories, is there is there any last tidbits of info that you want to add? I guess the only other thing I would add is that um, that part of Oregon, at least, is extremely. Uh, people call it a rainforest. It's covered in trees, it's covered in vegetation, and people think that one of the reasons he wasn't found is because of the landscape. You know, if hmm. he were if he were lost in the plains, they may have found him more easily. But the fact that you can't really do a flyover, you know, they think that's part of the reason he hasn't been found yet. Okay. And I know they did a lot of, because uh, there's a lot of water around that area, too. Yeah, there's apparently a gigantic river, the Columbus River or something. Yeah, yeah, and they uh, they did uh, sonar, I believe, and uh, you know they had dogs, uh, tracking dogs, and uh, and cadaver dogs, and still mm-hmm. nothing. I mean, they they took sonar pictures all over uh, the watered areas and some of that, some of the heavily uh, forested areas and stuff, and I mean, absolutely no trace of anything. Yeah. I mean nothing, which is very unsettling. I suppose uh, with that, um, I'll go ahead and like start off with one tiny littler theory, which, from what you just said, actually makes a little bit more sense with uh, the fact that Terry like liked to reinvent herself and that she um, was able to be who somebody wanted them to be. One of the theories is that uh, her and Dee Dee might have been lovers, and mm. Dee Dee was actually, uh, you know, jealous or or angry at the fact that maybe they had, at some point, you know, been involved together from me, you know, being at the gym and all that good stuff, and she was either mad or jealous because of you know the family that she had and and all this stuff, and maybe. You know, she was 
you know, maybe she was in love with her. Uh, that was that was the phrase that was used, is that Dee Dee was in love with her and, and jealous and angry, and uh, Dee Dee was actually the one who, you know, either plotted this out or did it herself and, uh, you know, disposed of the young man. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's a smaller theory personally. I'm, it's it's not one of the ones that I would consider very plausible just because, yeah, Dee Dee's a little shady and some of her, you know, whereabouts are unaccounted for, but I, I don't really think she's done anything, you know, to yeah. to stand out. I mean, her home was searched, you know, her, her vehicles were searched, like, they, they traced her phones, you know, all that stuff, and... I mean, obviously, you live in an area like that, you're probably not going to hide a body in your house when you have, like, you know, 10,000 acres of, of heavily wooded area. But but I just, I don't know, that one just doesn't seem that right to me. Because I had never read anywhere else that maybe um, her and uh, Terry had been in any kind of relationship whatsoever. Yeah, I didn't come across that either. Yeah, so that was just a smaller one. Um, what do you think? You got a little small plausible one that maybe you thought of? Yeah, one tiny one that I found, um, it was only mentioned on a few, uh, kind of sources like message boards and things, is that maybe Terry had, I believe Terry did have postpartum depression following the birth of her daughter. Um, now I know that PPD can last for a while, but her daughter was 18 months old at this point, and you know, Terry seems to have kind of gone off the deep end now, but I'm not sure that postpartum depression would have necessarily driven her to kill her stepson. You know, that just didn't make a lot of sense to me. No, no, I agree with you a lot. The, uh, I don't, I mean, uh, you know, there are some reports that Kyron apparently, you know, the cause of some of their arguments or whatever in her and Kane's relationship, but, you know, that sometimes it's 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 hard to have a perfect relationship with uh, somebody and their kid when you come in when, when the child is, you know, a few years old or whatever, because, I mean, I've I've been there and it's... You know, you got a standoffish kid and, you know, a step-parent or a girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. You know, yeah, there's going to be some friction there, you know what I mean? But I, I agree with you. I don't think it came, you know, really really to the point of, like, postpartum depression. I'm going to, you know, kill my stepson and, you know, all that good stuff. I mean, I don't know. It's as far as the deep end as she's gotten you know since then you know honestly that could be because of a lot of you know stress going on obviously this is yeah you know her name's being drugged through the mud and let's say she is innocent this is horrible yeah i mean if if it comes out to where she you know actually somebody either comes forward or something happens and she is found innocent uh this lady's going to be able to sue for like crazy millions and actually speaking of suing uh i believe it was Kyron's biological mother that actually had a suit against Terry for the mm-hmm. amount of $10 million. And I think that was actually recently dropped. Um, yeah. But. Um, and actually, 
the reason some people think it was dropped, I mentioned Desiree possibly going into rehab um, and and or taking a a drug that wasn't approved by the FDA. Some people think that the reason she dropped it is because she doesn't want people to find out about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, sad fact, we all do anyway. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like, might as well go along with it. Her basic reasoning for that whole lawsuit was a, a direct quote, I know she had something to do with my son's disappearance. So, and I, I'll be honest with you, like most of the family and the people around the area do think that Terry had something directly to do with it. And that actually oh, yeah. goes along with the authorities, too. Like, the only reason they have not indicted her on anything is because literally they do not have enough evidence. And, you know, for the international listeners, like, you have to be able to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. And if they end up getting, you know, you get in there and you're in front of a jury and get found innocent, I mean... I mean, the most that can happen is, like, a wrongful death suit, you know, and I, I, I do believe, like, unless any evidence comes up after that, I don't think you're going to be able to get retried. Yeah, so, it's a it's a witch hunt in that town. It, yeah, it um, is. It was actually really hard to go into this case from an objective standpoint because, you know, you look up Kyron, Har- Kyron Horman and the first things that come up are basically wishing death on Terry oh, yeah. and demanding where he is. There's a Facebook group that yeah. it, it's dedicated to Kyron, but there are comments on there like, you can't pull a Casey Anthony, I hope you fry. <laughs> yeah, and that's... You know, if, if she's guilty, I hope that brings her out, but if she's innocent, I can see why she's gone off the deep end. Oh, yeah, and because that's... people are making her life hell. And she's not doing herself any favors by her actions, yeah. you know? It's like the actions always speak a lot louder than words, and people forget that. Yeah, she's not really laying low. <laughs> no, she's not. She is, I I almost want to say she's, uh, I don't know, she's just crazy enough to love the attention, you know? But it's, some people are like that, I guess. I don't know, but... Uh, well, and, and speaking of, of crazy, um, you know, there have been reports from Kane. You know, he got a restraining order against her, like yeah. you said. And just reports of her being unbalanced. However, I kind of take that with a grain of salt because how many times do you hear people calling their exes crazy? Ha! All you know, the time. It's kind of a go-to, <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a little wary about going <laughs> along with Kane saying she's crazy. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure we've all been there. You know? Yeah. Nobody wants to be the bad person. <laughs> yeah. But, uh... I don't know with that one. That's that's pretty good. I I gotta admit, I actually stepped onto a uh, a cane theory. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yes, I'm so glad you you found that one too. And it was uh, um, now feel free to jump in if I do forget anything. But pretty much the the one that I got into was that Kane is somewhat of a narcissist. Okay, and they say that just the way his personality is when he wants something he wants it now you know i i wouldn't exactly classify that as a narcissist but he reportedly in a press conference kicked reporters out for and i quote not playing ball now i'm not 100 percent sure what that means but it should be known that 
he is an engineer at Intel, I he was, I'm not sure if he still is, which would mean that he or someone directly that he knows would have the ability to clone phones. So that brought up the theory of that all this texting wasn't actually her because he could have cloned a phone at any given point in time, which would explain why when she knew her phone was flashed, that the text messaging was still going on, even though she had a burner phone that was untraceable. Now, I'm not familiar, and in case anyone listening isn't, what does cloning a phone involve? Is it is it just taking the data, or is it a physical cloning? Well, see, and that's... I'm not 100% sure on that, because I've seen... I'm pretty sure it's it might be the data. I don't, I don't think it's a so much of a physical thing. It might be. Um, but we got to think, too, that this was, what, like seven years ago? So, yeah. uh, you know, it might be a little bit different now. But... Basically, what you can do is when you clone a phone, you have their phone number. You have every text that comes in and goes out in your hand right there, and that person does not know that. So basically, if I cloned your phone to my phone, I would have your phone in the palm of my hand, and I could see everything that you send out. I can see everything that you receive. I can send texts as you to anybody in your contact list because I would have your contact list. Right. So the that that was a and actually it's not so much of a of a bad theory. Um personally I I I just really don't see it. Um and that's just me because Kane has been very instrumental about you know, you know. Well, I mean, I mean, it would make sense him being instrumental about Terry being directly involved, and but that doesn't explain Michael Cook. You know that that would actually po- probably explain, you know, some of the some of the text messages to the landscaper or whatever. But um, you know, he he said that they had actually met in person, so. You know, yeah. that's that's basically why I kind of disregard that theory. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I mean, Kane has made himself look suspicious in other ways as well. Um, he refuses to let the police search his property. Yeah. yeah. Which, you know, is really weird for a dad who wants his son found. Um, mm-hmm. And especially because... We talked about the police doing a great job. They went to almost every house and searched every house. Yeah, they did. You know, people who they knew weren't involved, just in case. Yeah. Um, so, to not be able to look in Kyron's own backyard is a little nuts. Um, and Kane himself hasn't been laying low either. He got in trouble for possession of steroids more recently. So... It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a bunch of shady people. Uh, it it pretty in much is. It actually reminds me a lot of that episode I did on Haley Cummings. Yeah. It's it's very, very similar to that in a very scary way um, because it's one of those things where, you know, one of these people involved knows more than likely what happened. Um, yeah. But, 
yeah, I kind of, I mean, I could, I could see it as a possibility. Um, now I know Terry refused uh, lie detector tests. I'm not sure whether or not Kane did. You know, that alone right there is kind of, kind of odd in my book too. But well, I mean, I heard that she took two and walked out on one, like she was supposed to have three. I honestly don't hold that against her too much. I think polygraph tests are a big load of crap. They are. They uh, are. <laughs> so I don't, you know, I often think about when I hear about people taking polygraph tests, I'm like, if I were in their situation, would I refuse? Because I don't think they mean anything. So, you know, I don't I don't hold walking out of one against Terry too much. I, yeah, I, I actually agree with you on that, and... I mean, I hate saying that I, that, and not that I agree with you, but in all honesty, like, basically those things gauge what your blood pressure, your heart rate, um, if you're, if somebody came to my house right now, whether, and said that, you know, I had murdered some kid like three states over and wanted me to take a polygraph test, you know, obviously I didn't do it, but I would still be scared shitless. Like, what in the hell's going on? You know what I mean? Right. So you know, it, it's like getting your blood pressure taken at the doctor's office. Like, you're nervous. Yeah. So it's going to come off like you have high blood pressure. <laughs> exactly. And uh, I'm pretty sure, I'm not 100%, but I think they're actually inadmissible in court, but they can be used, like, the results can be used to kind of sway a jury, I suppose, is what the, you know, what what the main purpose is or persuade investigators on who to search deeper but but yeah the whole just being nervous in general i mean i don't i don't hold too much ground on on polygraphs yeah um yeah another stupid little theory i guess is uh that that thread on lit or on reddit that i sent you and I really don't hold much ground to anything said on Reddit. There are a lot of great subreddits out there for very useful information, but when it's just people randomly posting shit, um, basically it was some dude who was hanging out uh, on a street right around in Portland there, and apparently one of the neighbor guys came out, and the neighbor guy was, was a little bit older, and he was he was drunk, but not out of control of himself and supposedly uh somehow the the Kyron Harmon thing got brought up and the the drunk guy claims that oh hell he ain't missing I got him you know chained up in my basement for the last three years or whatever because this was posted in like 2013 or 2014 and uh you know I guess the guy the the younger male and his two buddies like straight up caught a pretty bad vibe from this guy and supposedly the drunk guy was bragging about how you know the cops have you know searched searched this and searched that and they ain't gonna find nothing and blah 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 and this guy on reddit actually said that he actually called the police uh, yeah. about it but Was there ever, did anything ever come of that either way i couldn't find that i actually don't think anything came of it because i think if something would have I think it would have hit the newspapers. Yeah. You know, it would have been somewhere out there. But, you know, some of the comments were pretty interesting on that thread, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, 
You know, I just, it was something that I read, so I had to put it out there because at the end of the day, with as many parents and maybe even random people that were at that school that day for that science fair, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that somebody just straight up kidnapped him. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing um, because I also read that, uh, at least up until Kyring's disappearance, they were very lax about who they let into the school. Yeah. Um, combine that with a day where parents are going in and out. You know, they're not going to stop everyone and say, you know, are you Susie's dad or are you Billy's mom? They're just going to let them in. It's too much work to card everyone. Yeah, it is too. Uh, I actually have to deal with that every now and then myself. And it's, you know, when they actually... Because getting into my kids' elementary school, I have to go through one door, one set of double doors, and then I have to literally go through the office. Yeah. Because the second set of double doors is straight-up locked. Everybody has to go through that office. Now, there are a lot of, like, at Kyron's school, uh, Skyline Elementary, there are a lot of, like, little nook and cranny hiding spots. Um, but, like I said, the, the authorities... I mean, they, I tip my hat to them because, I mean, they hit that school and they tore that place apart. They searched every square inch of that place within the first, I think it was two hours of him being missing. Uh, mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, it's, when you have, like, school events like that, yeah, I mean, doors are unlocked. Like, even, even, you know, I can't speak for Portland, but I know even when my kids have, like, their awards or, like, a program, you know, or something like that, you still have to go to the office to sign in. And it's, you know, back in 2010, it might have been a little different, but I do know that around my area in particular, um, after Columbine in 1999, they that's when they started, around here anyway, we started locking down schools like crazy. Yeah, and the, actually, a lot of people were shocked that there weren't cameras in the school because after Columbine, a lot of schools installed cameras. Oh, yeah, um, all over. Now, at the schools I went to post-Columbine, none of them had cameras in them, I don't believe. So, you know, I'm sure it's whether they can afford them, whether parents, you know, put up a fuss about getting them installed, but that was one thing people thought was kind of... Uh, unhelpful was that yeah. there were no cameras especially in a in an elementary school because it's i know elementary you know kindergarten all the way up to high school around my area there's freaking cameras on every corner of that school you know every hallway which i am thankful for because you know i'm glad my tax dollars are are in school fees are going for something because kids being in school is expensive but but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, someone online had said because people were saying parents don't want cameras in schools because it violates their children's privacy. And someone responded saying, a parent doesn't want cameras in schools until their kid goes missing. Exactly. Exactly. Because that's, you know, the whole privacy thing. I can understand in certain spots of the school, you know, like locker rooms and bathrooms. That's probably yeah. not very cool. That is, like, totally wrong, actually. But... Uh, general hallways and front doors, every entrance. I if they would have had a camera at at least every entrance, they would have figured out what would happen. Mm -hmm. Because, and that's the thing though too, with as many people as as were there, nobody 
saw Kyron leave. Yeah, it's really weird. That that right there is is a scary, scary fact because there were lots of people there and everybody knew, you know, yeah, yeah, there were lots of parents, there were lots of this and that, but if you think like a person who's seven years old is going to get taken out of the school by somebody they didn't know, all they have to do is scream and you're going to have, you know, at an event like this, 20 or 30 people saying, hey, what the hell is that kid screaming about? Um, but that's kind of why it makes me want to sway more towards the Terry thing, because if she would have left with Kyron, nobody probably would have thought twice about it, but at the same time, as much attention as this case got, somebody would have said, no, I seen him walking out the door at like 8.50 with Terry, you know? Yeah, well, the only thing I can think of with him going with another adult, perhaps, is, you know, a lot of little kids are very trusting. They want to please adults. They trust adults because they should be able to trust adults. That's true. Um, You know, all somebody has to say is, oh, hey, can you help me carry this project to my car? My son's sick. He didn't get to show it or whatever. And Tyron was a tiny little seven-year-old. He was. He was not very big. He could have been scooped up and tossed to... With with that many parents there, not everyone knows what kid belongs to what parent. That's very true. Especially with divorces and, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Maybe you've never seen this person's dad, but that's just because he came for the fair today. Yeah, that's actually a very, very good point because it, it doesn't take much to, you know, I can, I can convince my six-year-old to dig a hole out in the yard if I, you know... <laughs> And give them some some form of candy, you know. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'll go dig a hole. It's like, all right, man, go to it, buddy. But, but yet, yeah, uh, I don't know that the whole the whole school factor, and I mean, that actually does sound more likely. I suppose I'm glad you brought that point up. That does sound sound pretty likely. But um, are there any other theories that you might have heard out? Maybe maybe about any kind of uh. I mean, I personally didn't really see any, maybe a person who worked at the school or anything like that. Um, I had heard about there possibly being a chaperone that, um, that people had seen Kyron leaving with. Um, one person said that it was just Kyron and this guy. Another person said it was Kyron and two little girls. Um, I mean... I find that kind of hard to believe simply because if it was with two little girls, they're not missing as far as we know. Yeah. Um, and if they were with him, they would have said something. Yeah. Um, and as true. far as the male chaperone goes, I feel like someone would have been able to identify him. Someone's missing a parent, you know? Exactly. <laughs> if, uh, yeah. He went and took Kyron away. So I don't really give much weight to that theory. Yeah. I definitely agree with you. So, uh, all the factual information and theories behind us what what do you think the most plausible thing is that happened Rachel um I mean one thing we didn't discuss too much in depth is we talked about Terry and Kane having problems in their marriage um Terry wanted to divorce Kane but in Oregon 
there's a law that states that step-siblings cannot be separated in the event of a divorce. Huh. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff saying that maybe uh, Terry hated Kyron. I don't think that's true. Um, but Kyron is not her biological child. True. So it's possible that um, with all the trouble Terry gets into, Kane would get their daughter and Kyron if they got divorced. Um, yeah. Terry wants to stay with her daughter. She loves her daughter. So it's possible that she wanted to kill Kyron so that he might get her daughter if she divorces Kane. And, you know, you've got that unaccounted time. Yeah. Uh, and we talked about, you know, Kyron's a tiny little boy. She could have hidden him in some way. And then, you know, it's, as they say, it's a rainforest in that area. It so is. it might be easy to to get rid of him. It is. And I actually pretty much agree with you i think i think she had some kind of direct involvement i honestly you know if he's innocent or not i hate to pull him in the mix because he's a shady ass dude but i think i think michael cook had something to do with it as well oh yeah yeah i just the timing of him coming back into town and the fact that you know four days after kane moves out of the house files for divorce gets a restraining order he's actually hanging out there all the time that just you know he claims that terry's a better friend now when he he cares about the family which is not a true statement because it's stated that kane had actually wanted to reconnect with him uh, friendship wise and he blatantly just disregarded any kind of advances towards that so obviously he had ulterior motives what those motives might have been were probably Terry in general. I mean, you know, some people are like that. You know, they just they just want one thing and they don't care, you know, who they hurt in the process. I think she could have handled the, you know, initial whatever, you know, like say, you know, she did take him out somewhere in the woods and, and murder him. I just the way that they got the untraceable phones and i don't know the just the matter of them handling it i i just it doesn't it doesn't you know it rubs it really rubs me the wrong way basically um, yeah especially since as you pointed out they weren't shy about sexting on a phone they knew was being <laughs> flashed yeah so when, obviously that's not why they got the burner phones yeah exactly and I mean, granted, if if the the phones, you know, the the whole cloned phone theory, um, you know, that's where that really doesn't stand much ground, uh, just because Michael and Terry are acknowledging each other, and you know, that just mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't make sense because they were not only were they texting and and calling each other, but they actually saw each other in person quite a bit too. So. I mean, they would have no reason to talk about anything incriminating over a, you know, a traced phone, but... Yeah, well, actually, relating to Mike Cook being involved, um, I'm going to send you the PDF of the text conversation so <laughs> you can see it and maybe share it with the listeners. Yeah, yeah, but, definitely. Um, there's there's a part of their conversation towards the end of the file where they they're mentioning how they got together last night and terry says i told the police i was 
in some other place. Um, could you tell them that too? And Mike Cook says, no, don't make me do that. Yep. I, yep. It's, uh, I didn't read the text, but I actually, now that you said that, I remembered seeing that somewhere and I had totally forgotten it. So thank you for bringing that up because just, just proves it, you know, just a little bit more there that there was something going on there that, that was definitely behind the scenes, I suppose. Yeah, it's, it's a weird, there are weird things that are kept secret and weird things that aren't kept secret. Yeah. Yeah. They were pretty open about stuff that they might not have, you know, should have been open about, I suppose, but you know, different strokes for different folks. So that's how it goes. But I guess, do you have anything else to add? Any other theories or anything? Yeah, it's just a super sad story. I hope that they eventually are able to solve it either way. I hope yeah. I'm alive, but... Yeah, and I mean, closure. Yeah, it has been a long time, and closure is a... You know, there's a lot of families out there that just want closure. You know, they just don't... The uncertainty of, of you know, not knowing, it's a pretty horrible feeling. But yeah, as a, as a parent, it's a very very sad story, and I mean, not even as a parent, but as a, as a, any anybody, you know, it's it's very sad, and you know, it's scary world out there, very yeah, scary. But uh, Rachel, thank you very much for joining me again for one of my last few episodes, and just so you know, in the future, uh, me and Shane will be doing listener co-hosts as well so if there's a badass case that you want to cover you are more than welcome to to join join the two of us and with his background and stuff like that he can actually get a lot of pretty good information he he can dig up a lot of stuff so if you're ever interested in co-hosting again just get a hold of me yeah, awesome. I'll, I'll consult my list. Of, uh, <laughs> I, know. I know, right? It's like ever growing. That's the one of the greatest things is, you know, I told Shane when we agreed to do this, I said, "Listen, man, I said I got a list of suggestions, dude." And I said, "I'm not leaving unless unless that list is coming with me." He's like, "Yep, bring it over, dude. We'll do it." It's like, "All right." So it's like it's ever growing now. Now it doubled and and all that good stuff. So it's like, well, we're getting to them one at a time, I suppose, but but yeah definitely uh definitely send me that pdf of those and i'll post it on the uh, facebook page in the comments when i post this episode yeah i'll do that awesome thank you very much again for uh joining me and i suppose i will uh talk to you later and i will see all uh all the listeners and all that good stuff on the flip side